this podcast, I thought I would talk a little bit about um, a slightly more technical aspect of DSLR cameras and mirrorless. And um, it's almost a companion to last um, the last podcast, which was about the visual storyteller. And in this, I want to talk a little bit about exposure triangle and modes on the camera. And the reason I want to do this is that I know a lot of people, when they look at the menu systems on cameras, get quite intimidated by them. So um, that can be an area of resistance, if you like, that gets between people really exploring their camera and um, starting to use it to its potential. Um, and, you know, from where they are right now. Now, one thing I will say is that I've got, um, I tend to use a couple of Canons. They're my main cameras. My, I've got a, a Canon EOS um, 5DS and a Canon EOS 7D Mark II. And those two have a lot of menus. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest, I rarely, rarely go into the menus. I'll go in there occasionally if I need to change something. But on the whole, I, I kind of leave that aspect alone. The thing I use most often is a thing called modes. Now, the modes are typically a dial on the top of the camera, and that's where we have auto and manual and a few others in between. And a lot of people, when they start, will start with auto, and for some people, that's as far as they get. Uh, so that when people refer to getting out of auto, they're actually talking about the mode on the camera. And the reason I want to talk about that is that there is a direct correlation between the mode you're using and how much creative control you have over the photograph you're taking. So taking auto as an example, what auto does, it uses the computing power of the uh, camera. Now, modern cameras are really good. They do an awful lot of work for you. They do it very, very quickly and they're very, very efficient. So modern cameras are just great tools. And you can set them up to be completely automatic. I mean, you, it's like you put autopilot on an aircraft these days and it will pretty much fly the whole thing. But few pilots do that. They like to fly some of it themselves, but they might use the um, automation on the aircraft to do some of the work for them. And this is really where the modes come in because the idea of the modes is that they do some of the heavy lifting for you. So auto does absolutely everything for you. All you do is look through the viewfinder, um, press your shutter halfway down, that sets the autofocus uh, by default in most cameras, and you then take your photograph, and there you go. However, your creative control is very limited. So things like uh, what part of the photograph is in focus and what, which parts are out of focus, uh, that's, not, that's not under your control. The camera's deciding that. Um, the shutter speed you're using, are things sharp or blurry? Again, the camera's deciding that. So you're very, very limited in your creative control. The other extreme of that is the manual setting, which is normally the letter M on, um, on the camera. And that is the opposite to auto. It means that you're doing everything. Autofocus is a different system, so you'll still have autofocus, but everything else, things like the aperture, shutter speed, the, um, the ISO you're using, and I'll talk about that in a moment uh, more. Uh, all of that is decided by you. Now, that's great. And some people think that's how professional photographers use their cameras. I can guarantee you that's not how most professionals use their cameras. The, the reason they don't is that it's very difficult to do anything quickly when you're in fully manual mode. So you have to set everything up. And if I take Humpback Wells as an example, 
because a breach will be over in about two seconds other than the final splash at the end. You've got to be already set up pretty much in order to take that shot. If you even think about it, when you see a whale breaching, if you even think about the shot, you've probably lost it. You've just got to do it automatically. You've just got to get on there as fast as you can. And this is where you will use one of the other modes. And here I'm going to go back to the exposure triangle. Now I'm hoping that you're reasonably familiar with it. If you're not, don't worry about it. All the exposure triangle is, is um, a three-way relationship between aperture. And what aperture controls is how wide open the iris is inside the lens. And that obviously lets in more light or less light. But all, aperture also controls how much of the background and the foreground remain in focus around the subject. And that's purely a function of the optics and the way the optics work in a camera. But that is how you control it. So aperture might be the most important thing for you to control. It's certainly one element. The next part of the exposure triangle would be shutter speed. And that's how fast the little curtain that opens and exposes the sensor or the film, if you're doing it with film, how long that is open. And that can be anything from maybe one four thousandth of a second up to generally cameras will go up to about um 30 seconds on, um, on on the preset shutter speeds that you can set manually. If you want to go slower than that, you go to bulb, which is normally shown as B uh, on the camera. And that's a separate thing, which I won't talk about in this uh, podcast. So with shutter speed, you're obviously controlling how much you need to freeze the action. So for example, with a humpback whale breaching, I will probably shoot at at least one one thousandth of a second and often I'll go faster than that because I want to freeze everything. I want to freeze that animal that animal in, in midair. I want to freeze that moment in time. And when you zoom into that picture, I want to be able to see individual water droplets in the air, but stopped, absolutely stopped still, no blurring at all. So that's one way you can use shutter speed. Another way is to create motion and you can do that with a slower shutter speed and you might go for, let's say, um, a tenth of a second or even half a second or even a second and photograph moving cars and you can even move with them or move in the opposite direction to them as you're pressing down the shutter button. That will create blurring in the image and that creates a sense of movement. So this is all done by having that full control over the shutter speed. And then the final part of the triangle is how sensitive the camera is to light. And that's known as um, ISO, which comes from the days of film and the way that film was rated, as in how sensitive it was. And that nomenclature has found its way into the digital world. So we now refer to ISO as being how sensitive the, um, the sensor is. So again, that has a couple of things. One is it controls how quickly that sensor can be exposed for the amount of light available. So if you have a low ISO, something like um, ISO 100, that means that you probably need either a, a slower shutter speed to allow more, give light more time to come in, or a wider aperture so that more light comes in in any given moment to get the correct exposure. Whereas if you make the sensor more sensitive and you might put it up to, let's say, um, ISO 64,000, that's very sensitive. You can then live with a very, very fast shutter speed that light only has the chance to come through the aperture for a very short space of time 
or a very small aperture, which means that everything, that the depth of field is, is everything that you can see through the viewfinder. So this is how those three things tend to balance. Now, the downside to ISO is if you use the fast ISO um, settings, you tend to get a more noisy picture. And what I mean by that is if you start to look at it in detail, you'll start to see the individual pixels that make up the photograph. It looks grainy. Um, it looks slightly dirty, maybe, but that's that. All of that is the effect of noise. It creates this um, uh, this this um, kind of roughness in the uh, the image. So, if you want to shoot a photograph that is very very smooth, that maybe you want to blow up uh, to a fine print quality, say three hundred dots per inch for this sort of magazine quality printing, where you would look at the image from quite a short distance away, there you would want if you want a nice high resolution shot you would have a much slower a much lower iso number because that eliminates that noise issue now we'll say that cameras as technology moves on they're getting better uh, so what the, the amount of noise you get in um, say um, an iso of 16000 these days is a lot less than you would have done 10 or 15 years ago so the technology is getting better so you might ask well why wouldn't you just you know, use a higher ISO anyway. Well, the the other problem is you are you do want to make sure you get the right exposure for the settings that you're choosing for both the aperture, your depth of field, and your shutter speed. How blurry you want things. So they don't always work easily together. So that's the exposure triangle. Now I hope that's made some sense. The way the three things interrelate is they're very linked. As you change one thing, you have to concentrate. Um, uh, just um, compensate for it with one of the others. And so, for example, you could leave ISO the same, but if you make your aperture smaller so less light is coming in, you then have to go for a longer shutter speed to just compensate for that smaller amount of light coming in at any given moment, just to allow it the sensor to be exposed for a longer time so that you could get the correct exposure. It's a little bit like driving a car if you press your foot down on the gas pedal, the throttle pedal, the accelerator, what happens is you start using more fuel. So your range drops because you're starting, you're using more uh, your fuel per gallon, if you if you like, or you're getting fewer miles per gallon, or you're using more liters per hundred kilometers if you measure it that way. But obviously, the other effect of putting the accelerator down is that the car goes faster, your speed increases. So somewhere in there, if you're particularly if you're doing a long drive, you're going to find a balance where you've got a nice cruise control, you've got a good range, and um, that's your so your speed is in the right kind of place. You're not too fast, you're not too slow. Your petrol consumption is good, so you've got the range you need, and um, that's all controlled by where the the position of the throttle pedal. So I hope that makes sense as a comparison. But this business about trying to get your head around a three-way relationship is not that hard because you already know one, or at least most people do if they drive. So thinking about the relationship between shutter speed, aperture, and ISO is, is actually relatively simple once you get past getting caught up in the, all the numbers and things. Now, getting back to the modes on the camera, where do they come in? So I mentioned before that you've got at one end of the scale automatic where the camera is doing everything for you, 
but you have no creative control. And at the other end of the scale, you've got manual where the camera's doing pretty much nothing for you, although most cameras will recommend settings. They'll tell you whether or not you've got a good exposure. And you have control over everything, so you've got full creative control. But in between that, you're likely to have three other settings. Now, in I'm going to use Canon because I use that um, most regularly. The setting I tend to use is, is AV, and that's aperture priority. So what does that mean? Well, the priority means that I manually control my aperture setting, so I'm controlling my depth of field. And the camera will then generally compensate by using by varying shutter speed. It might change the ISO, but generally it will vary the shutter speed. And it will do that to make sure that I get a good exposure. So how do I control that to make sure I've also got the right kind of shutter speed? Because if I'm shooting humpback whales, I'm still controlling it with um, aperture priority. Well, I'll simply take some shots and get a feel for what my ISO setting needs to be. Um, I'll manually set that and then the automation will tend to leave that alone in, in um, AV mode. And then I know that within the range that I want to vary the aperture, I've still got the kind of shutter speed that I need to get the result I want. So AV is the aperture priority. So that's primarily concerned with depth of field. The next one that you might see is on the Canon, it's TV and that stands for time value. But that's shutter speed. So you may well see it as S on your camera if you don't have a Canon. But that's making shutter speed the priority. So here you just set the shutter speed and the camera works out the aperture that it needs. Um, again, with the given ISO, or it might vary the ISO uh, depending on what you're trying to shoot. So if shutter speed is most important to you, so you might be doing sports photography. And in that case, shutter speed might be most important to you. Then you would use the camera in TV mode or um S mode, if, it's, if S stands for shutter priority on your camera. And that means that you just vary the shutter speed as you want and the camera is working out the correct aperture and the ISO for you. And then the final one that you might see is um, P for program. And that is effectively an ISO priority. So it fixes the ISO and then and will then just vary the, uh, the shutter speed. Often it will take the fastest, use the fastest shutter speed it, it can use given the the setup that you've chosen and um, that's how how those work now as i've said i i i tend to use aperture priority i'll occasionally use tv for shutter speed i never use um program so that's just an insight into what i use when i'm working with animals but i would say something like 90 percent of the time i'm using aperture priority or possibly even more than that so I hope that's made a little bit of sense. Um, obviously, you need to look at the camera you're using. I've spoken about Canon because that's the one I'm most familiar with. The, um, the settings are pretty much the same. You'll have, uh, most cameras have an auto setting and a manual setting. Between auto and manual, you're likely to have three settings and they're the three I've just spoken about. Bulb is usually after manual because that's, um, a specific mode where there's an external um, trigger to um, release the shutter. And then there might be some custom modes on, on the Canon. There are three custom modes, which are uh, specific settings that you can, uh, programs you can set up to the camera. So I don't, I don't generally use those. So that is pretty much it. So I hope that's uh, been helpful. As I said, we've covered a little bit of the exposure triangle. So just that relationship 
between aperture, shutter speed, and the sensitivity, the ISO. I, I believe it's really important that you understand that relationship. You don't need to remember what all the numbers are. You'll, you'll gradually learn certain numbers over time. So the, the shutter speed numbers, the ISO numbers, and the aperture numbers, don't worry too much about them. <clears throat> but just get familiar with them. What I will say on the aperture numbers is that, so it's, it's normally shown as F stroke and a number. And F stroke 2, if your lens opens that wide, is a very wide aperture. That means you've got, um, a, and a large aperture lens will be a much bigger diameter. So if you see, if, you, if, you, if you've ever wondered what the difference is between a lens that has a very large diameter and a lens that has quite a short diameter, quite a narrow diameter, it's basically the, the maximum aperture it will give you. So a small aperture number, even um, f1, that would be a really wide lens. Uh, most lenses don't go that wide. They'll be at maybe f2 if you're lucky. Um, you might be at f4 is more likely, particularly if you've got a telephoto lens. Um, but if you use that smaller number after the f, that means that you've got a small depth of field. There's a lot of light coming in, but that gives you a very small depth of field. At the other end of the scale, you might have something like f22, so that bigger number, the f22, means you've got a big depth of field, but it means you've got a very, very small hole physically that the light's trying to get through. So you're probably going to have to use a slower shutter speed to get the right exposure. So there you go. And if you'd like to learn more about that, um, we're definitely on my uh, on the DSLR mirrorless course that I offer on the Creative Photography Academy. It, it's all in there. There's a whole section um, focused on the exposure triangle and what, what I do in that is just take you through each of the three sides individually so you get very familiar with how each one works you understand a bit more about what the numbers mean and what the relationship is between them you don't really need to know that but it's nice to have an idea because sometimes that can take some of the mystery out of it and I do want to take the mystery out of this and make it as um, usable as possible for you and what we then do is look at how they combine and then we later in the course we look at the uh, program modes but those modes i think are very good because once you do understand what they are and what they do you then have the ability to use a lot of the creative or a lot of the power of the camera but you retain creative control so that you control how you're using that camera to create the results that you want so as I said, I hope you found that useful. That is it for this podcast, and I will speak to you again another time. Bye for now. Just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for all of my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, you'll get access to exclusive material, behind the scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcasts and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now.